Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The bye week is behind us and the NFL season is over, which means we can finally focus on pure, uncut hockey action leading up to this month's trade deadline. We'll talk about the Blue Jackets' first two games after the break, a big injury, some signings, and what we see coming down the pike. I am Ryan Real. Joining us this week, we've got Will Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. And we've got Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good. So let's just get right into some breaking news. Happened right before we started recording this podcast. The Blue Jackets returned from their post-All-Star game bye week, and they lost in overtime to Buffalo on Saturday. They beat Montreal on Sunday. But in that Sunday game against Montreal, Alexander Winberg suffered an upper body injury and will be out for three to four weeks, which is basically the rest of February. The team has called up Ryan McGinnis. From the Cleveland Monsters. So I know Winberg takes a lot of flack on this podcast and elsewhere, but that's another big name star going down for a substantial period of time. Yeah, big money star going down here. Um, he uh, Winberg has played well defensively this season, um, and losing him sucks, especially, you know, I laid out a very controversial article last week, apparently, about Boone Jenner's production defensively this season, but unquestionably, Winberg has been... One of is probably been our best defensive center. You know, he's been tasked with shutting down some of the top lines we've seen. Uh, losing him sucks, even if it even if it won't have a ton of impact on the offensive end. I don't think, but uh, defensively, that's a that's a pretty big loss. And uh, yeah, he's going to be out pretty much the rest of February. Of course, it's one of our busiest months of the year. We've got something like 14, 15 games this month. So, yeah, losing losing Winberg really hurts. I didn't really see what happened in the game on Sunday. I just noticed that uh, they mentioned, Jody Shelley mentioned that all of a sudden uh, the Jackets announced that Winberg wasn't coming back due to an upper body injury. So I don't exactly know why he's, what, he, what he's out with, if one of you guys could clarify that, but I don't know. But it, it sucks, it, and uh, we're going to probably see Boone Jenner step into the second line center role, or maybe Nick Felina shift over. They've called up Ryan McKinnis. I'm not entirely sure why they brought McKinnis up instead of Kevin Stenlin, but that's, you know, fine. I don't know if that affects this team's front, the front office's trade deadline plans at all. I don't, 
I didn't really expect them to be big buyers, even going on whatever run they're on right now. I didn't figure they'd look for, you know, a name like Matt Duchesne, like they did last year or anything like that. But it, it does suck to lose some of that stability, uh, especially, you know, on Saturday, the offense was kind of hit or miss. And yesterday, the defense was kind of hit or miss. So losing someone who's been consistently producing defensively and on the penalty kill, the outstanding penalty kill, I have to say, um, yeah, really kind of sucks. Yeah, he did suffer a slash in the second period. It wasn't something that nobody, anybody really noticed at the time. Just when he did not come back out for the third, did people kind of put two and two together? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Seeds really kind of hit the nail on the head there, and I kind of thought he might go a different way. But, um, yeah, obviously losing him is not ideal, even though, like you said, offensively, you may not be missing much. Although, I will say, it kind of puts a damper on my projection, I guess, of uh, him maybe scoring 10 goals this season. But anyway, uh, mainly, though, the thing that kind of came to mind for me was the fact that he has the second most faceoff wins on the team behind Jenner, and there's pretty about a hundred, well, less than hundred actually uh, between him and uh, Dubois as far as the difference. So kind of a drop off in faceoff production, and of course the defensive splits. Uh, we you know we see him with uh, like Seed said defensively and plays pretty well defensively. So we'll see uh, aside from Jenner and maybe Dubois. I mean the faceoff production is kind of you know. It's kind of a big gap, I guess, between Dubois and Jenner. So uh, roughly, literally 200 um, face-off wins difference. So we'll see kind of who gets that, uh, who maybe kind of takes uh, Wenberg's role there defensively in the face-off circle and penalty kill. And obviously it's a nice, well, I should say it's another opportunity for whoever, whether it is uh, McInnes or whoever, to kind of step up. And, and, and this is when... Losing Alexandre Texier, a guy who could could fill in for that for that spot. I mean, he's out indefinitely. There's been really no substantial update on his on his condition. He could be out the rest of the season. You don't have Dubinsky, so that that center position is starting to. I mean, that's three centers right there. You're starting to feel the the squeeze. And Josh Anderson's close-ish to coming back. He's skating, but that doesn't really fix that problem. And it's not like he was really setting the world on fire before he was hurt either so hey he's got he, he's got one more goal this year than i do guys <laughs> <laughs> that's true all this to say i mean this team is the the whole story with this team though is overcoming injuries that's the entire storyline of the entire season so this is just the story that happened right before we started recording the podcast and it's it's another blow to this team but the team keeps chugging on they did win against montreal and they they got a point against buffalo i was curious because there was some and when you watch, I watched the away broadcast and, and there was, there's always talk that, oh, you know, Columbus probably doesn't want this break. Columbus probably doesn't want all this time off the way they've been playing and the, the momentum they had heading into the All-Star break. Do you guys buy into that at all? That was kind of my concern going into the break because they had about a, what, a week and a half off with the All-Star break and the uh, bye week. But I think ultimately it's good for the team or any team, really. I mean, I, yeah, when you're playing well, you probably don't really want to stop. And when you're going bad, you're ready for a break. But I think, uh, and maybe I would, I would be saying something different if they both if they lost both games over the weekend or looked horrible doing it. Mm-hmm. But the fact they did get three mm-hmm. out of four points, they weren't. I mean, they did okay against Buffalo to at least get a point. They stole a point with their, you know, their third string in Klavenix in the net, and um, they did all right against Montreal. They did enough. Pierre Luc Dubois obviously was good, and they held on late. So I was pretty like, 
I took three out of four points is a really good thing, obviously. And I was okay with that point against them, the Buffalo Sabres on Saturday. But um, I think, you know, obviously now that they're kind of getting back into the swing of things, I wasn't, I kind of expected too with a matinee game, first game back, you never know how Mm -hmm. those are going to go. And I feel like they always kind of start. On the road. Yeah. And I feel like they always kind of start slow. And I thought it was only a good thing that they had two games back to back like that. And I expect being back at home tomorrow night against Florida, even if they don't see Bobrovsky, um, I do think that they'll be energized. They're getting back into it. So I think ultimately it's good with all the injuries, all the time off, get away, all the players I think go to the beach. I mean, I think it's only going to help them in the long run. I was kind of torn on how to feel about that, about the break, because they were so hot. You know, every team needs a break. Every team needs that kind of reset to, you know, get ready to go for the final 30 games or whatever. But man, it was really, really disheartening to see the team come. I, I realized it was their first game back and Buffalo had played before, but man, I don't know if you guys have heard the radio call of Dwayne from Buffalo that's been circulating <laughs> on Twitter. But after hearing that call and that guy go on his rant about the Buffalo Sabres not appearing to care And then to see Buffalo boss Columbus around Mm. on the ice, you know, this hot Columbus team, especially like dominating offensive zone time, man, that was disheartening to see. Because like all I could think of was they were calling and questioning everything about this team two days ago. And here we are making them look like the St. Louis Blues. (laughs) So I I was happy that they got a point. But man, that was that, that was disheartening. It was nice to see them rebound. The offense rebounded Sunday against Montreal or or or. I should say Pierre-Luc Dubois decided to be the offense on yeah. Sunday. Um, he must have a thing for sticking it to the French Canadians, I guess. He loves it. Love to see, you love to see it. But man, it, uh, it, I was kind of frustrated at one point um, at the second intermission. Pierre, PLD, despite having two goals to that point, had the third most ice time among centers before obviously Winberg went out with injury. But so you'd like to see you'd like to see your goal scorer play a little more, but it's I guess, you know, every you know, they're getting back into it, taking three up, taking three or four on a back to back on two back to back road games. You'll never, ever turn that down, regardless of how they looked on the ice. True. But uh, so I don't want to sound like I'm like overly critical, you know, three or four points on a back to back road. He's great. So I'd, what I'd really like to see is them just come out and step on the throats of the Florida Panthers Tuesday night and, you know, really, really show that. Yeah. You know, it took us two games to shake the rust off, and now we're back to playing stingy defense. Elvis Merzlikens is back to being dialed in. We're not going to give up terrible turnovers. We're not going to give up last-minute goals with uh, their goalie pulled. We're just going to see games out confidently. I'd like to I'd like to see them get back to that Tuesday night. Yeah, that was a weird. My brother was talking to me. He's like, it was 3-1, and then I went and did something and came back, and it was 4-3. Incredibly w- weird into that game. Yeah. Incredibly mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, super weird. And and Nyquist got speared by Weber, and he really took that. I mean, I, it wouldn't feel good to anybody, but it was weird to see you guys score a goal. It would basically essentially ice the game because normally you don't plan on giving up another goal after that and then just look so look so down and injured about it. But I get that. And and I, I agree with, with what you guys are saying. These were matinee road games after a long break on the weekend. Just a weird, weird... I mean, these games are never normal anyway. And... They can be slogs, they can be rock fights, and to come out of there with three points is is huge. And really, at this point of the year, all that, all that matters. So, like you said, Seeds, back at home 
on Tuesday night. They are home for the next four games, a big Friday, Saturday night, back-to-back. You got Florida on Tuesday, Detroit on Friday, Colorado on Saturday. Those are definitely some winnable games. And then next Monday, hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you got the crowd behind it. You got some juice. You got the rust kicked off. This is going to be a big week for the CBJ. Yeah, this week's monstrous. And is it is it weird to say that the game I'm personally most looking forward to is Saturday night? <laughs> I really, I really, really can't wait to see this Avs team in person. I'm going to the game Saturday night, and I cannot wait to see McKinnon, Rantanen, and Kale McCarr live. Like, I'm mm-hmm. really excited to see what Columbus does with this high-powered offense out there. Like, that's going to be, like, with them in Tampa Bay – and right in a row on Saturday and Monday, that that's a huge test. Like we're going to find out if this, if this team's defense and goaltending is for real in a, in a big way this week, you know, they've got, they've got the team, they've got the team at home for four straight games. They should really probably take five or six points from this. Even if you're giving them a loss to one of Tampa or Colorado, because Tampa's Tampa after starting slow has been on fire, Colorado, has looked really good this year, despite somehow still being eight points behind the St. Louis Blues. And, you know, Detroit and Florida are what they are at this point. I'm really interested to see what, what, the, what the Blue Jackets do Saturday and Monday. That, that, that'll tell me where this team truly stacks up going forward the rest of the season. Those are two huge tasks. We get them at home. And this is the first time we see Tampa this year. And then we don't see them again until the last week of the year when we play them twice. So... If you if you can come out and show that you still own Tampa after last season's playoff run, uh, run you, you know you're gonna put it you're gonna put it in their heads going into that last week of the year when both teams might be fighting for playoff seating. Tampa's not really solidly in the playoffs right now. They've been hot and they've made it to second in the Atlantic, but you can you can probably get in that team's head a little bit. So we'll see what happens here. So obviously it should be fun with these four games coming up. Obviously we we know what they did against Florida last time out, and hopefully they can continue that. They have, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have something like a sixteen, uh, was it sixteen game point streak against the Eastern Conference or something like that. But with Detroit on Friday, it's just crazy to me how, I mean, I, I unless I'm just missing it, it's it feels like Detroit has got to be historically awful this year. I mean they are. I think they have 28 points. They're the, the the next worst team has at least 40 points, but the Red Wings are so bad. The Jackets have owned them within the last, I think, 25 games or something, which is just crazy to think when you remember the first decade of their, of their franchise hmm. existence. But yeah, and also with the Red Wings Friday and the Avalanche Saturday, hopefully Columbus will be ready for that back-to-back. I will say, though, if I'm not, I think I saw this against Buffalo, or I should say prior to that loss against Buffalo, they had won something like, three uh, back-to-backs in a row. So they've done pretty well in back-to-backs lately. Hopefully they can get a little bit of revenge against the Avalanche from when they played them back in November. And Tampa Bay will always be fun because, as we all know, what happened last year. Plus, that's on my dad's birthday, so that'll be a fun game to watch. But um, I'm looking forward to this four-game homestand, and I hope they get back you know, to it tomorrow night where they kind of pick up where they left off last night. Will, you mentioned the Red Wings being historically bad this season. I've got a uh, I've got a stat for you <laughs> for the Red Wings to be better than the worst team in the salary cap era, the Colorado Avalanche from a few years back that registered 48 points. The Red Wings would have to take 21 points from the remaining 29 games. <laughs> the Red Wings have 28 points right now. 
yeah, through 53 insane. games with a minus 93 goal differential. <laughs> wow, so, yes, the Red Wings God. are historically bad. <laughs> it's so horrible. I mean, they're just so bad. You don't hate it. You don't hate nope. it. <laughs> <laughs> Will, you were right about that stat. 16 consecutive games with points against the Eastern Conference and also the Jackets are 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 home games and hold a 34-14 to 14 scoring edge during that span. So big week for the Blue Jackets at home. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, more Canon Cast in just a bit. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. We are back, and we've got some recent signings to talk about. The Blue Jackets extended Eric Robinson. He will make $975,000 over the next two years. And Nathan Gerby, which will pay him $700,000 in the NHL, $500 in the AHL next season, and $800,000 in the NHL, and $500,000 in the AHL through 21-22, which would make him the highest-paid AHL player next season. So, boys... Some depth signings, Eric Robinson and Nathan Gerby sticking around the team for two more years. How do we feel? I like, well, I like both. I mean, obviously, Gerby has been a bit of an unsung hero, I would say. Really stepping up big this season. He hadn't played in the NHL in a few years before this season, so it's awesome that he's been able to come up and have an impact the way he has and really stick around. And as far as Robinson, I like Robinson. I guess to me it's like, and maybe this isn't really a revelation, but I guess when I, when I see Robinson and hear about Robinson, I guess it sort of reminds me of like, you know, he's kind of like a Josh Anderson light, I guess. I don't know. But I don't know what Rob – I mean, I, I, I've seen people kind of talking about, oh, could Anderson be traded? And I don't think that would be the case. But um, I suppose down the road if Anderson's not on the team, maybe Robinson maybe falls into that. I don't know. But anyway, I like both signings. You know, there it is a nice depth piece. And obviously with all the injuries we've seen this season, it's nice that um, we've been able to see depth like this really come up and showcase what they have. He kind of stole my point about Robinson. When I when I saw he was signed, my exact response was, oh, this is uh, Josh Anderson <laughs> trade insurance in case someone yep. uh, decides to trade for him. Because they play a similar game, I'm not saying, because Eric Robinson isn't nearly the physical specimen that Josh Anderson is. He's Anderson's bulkier and uses his frame more than Robinson does. But, you know, they can play, they play a similar-ish style, so... To get him for two years at 
950 or um that's a that's a really good signing by the front office my so i was surprised i i, mu- I must admit i was surprised that robinson got the one way and gerby got the two way i realize gerby has is older but generally i would i would just kind of assume with yarma that the vet would get the two the one way and robinson would get the two way but you know i don't mind them signing gerby he's been He's been pretty. He's been good this year when he's come up. You know, uh, his shot share is not grand, but we all know the advanced stat issues. But Gerby's been, you know, kind of a spark plug on the ice and has been at least a catalyst, willing to, you know, kind of throw his nose into areas where he might not. You know, he he picked a fight with Zdeno Chara. He was he squared up mm-hmm. with Chara. Like I can't really fault them for keeping a guy like that who. In case we have serious injuries the next year or two, they can call up and, you know, maybe try and light a fire and, you know, send down and keep in Cleveland who he can benefit and teach the young kids how to play. And, you know, say, if you want to if you want to make your mark in Columbus, this is a good way to go about, it. you know, play hard nose, play physical and play fearless. That's that's a good mentor to have down in Cleveland, at you know, even if it is at a premium price for the AHL salary. So I'm glad to I'm glad to have Gerby around and I. Since since the game just happened and Gerby Gerby was a part of it, I just want to say I thought it was really cool and uh, classy of the Jackets organization to have a tribute with Gerby and Zach Wierenski on the ice mm. during the anthem mm-hmm. and the, during the Buffalo game to yeah. uh, salute Kobe Bryant. I thought that was incredibly cool by the franchise. So Agreed. I just wanted yeah. to get that in there while while we're talking about Gerby. And that was that I've been I you know I, Kobe was one of the sports figures I you know grew up with so. That was really cool to see. Agree, yeah. Just one last like ten second thing on um, Anderson too is uh, I agree too. Like obviously he's the, more of the physical guy than um, a guy like Robinson, but it's just crazy. Like I wouldn't trade a. I mean I wouldn't necessarily want to trade a guy like Anderson yet, just because I feel like with all the injury stuff going on, we he was such an impact player last spring down the stretch. So. I don't know. I'm hoping that I'm still rooting for him to hopefully come back, whether it's this year or whatever. But uh, I agree. It's a nice step piece with uh, Robinson and Gerby. Yeah, you're right, Will. A healthy, rejuvenated, playing at the top of his game, Josh Anderson would do wonders for this team playing down the stretch right before the trade deadline. But I want to circle back on Gerby. There was some chatter on Sirius XM NHL radio today on Monday that Nathan Gerby's got a a pretty good case for the Masterton, at least to be nominated for the Blue Jackets, because you figure he played overseas in Switzerland. Comes back, plays in the AHL to help with his ailing father, tears his labrum last year. That's a pretty severe injury for anybody, especially especially a guy over thirty. You know, he's thirty two years old. He's got screws in his hip. Tears it up this season on the farm, and then gets called up and plays well enough to get a two year deal with the big. I mean, this is it's if the if the Masterton goes to players who have shown a dedication and perseverance to hockey. I mean, it's tough. It's, it's harder to do better than Nathan Gerby this season. Yeah. Nathan Gerby for Masterton. Go for it. It's great. Be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. <laughs> certainly from the jackets, at least. I mean, yeah, certainly not from the jackets. You're, you're going to get, you're going to get the Canadian media to uh, preach the Connor McDavid thing because, you know, he got hurt last year and yeah. now the Oilers are in a playoff spot, blah, 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 and McDavid. But no, Nathan, what Nathan Gerby's gone through and gotten back into the NHL, especially after that serious hip injury, is seriously to be commended. And I certainly can't think of anyone more deserving from the Blue Jackets. Yeah, I should have qualified. Definitely from, from the Jackets. So 
happy to see him. And and I'm always, I said it on this podcast, I'm always pulling for the guys who are a little bit shorter. And I'm very happy to see the Short Kings blossom. Short Kings 2020. Let's go. <laughs> All right, boys, we are almost out of time for this episode, but let's go around and do final thoughts. I'm just going to go ahead and say mine first. I have two little small ones. The CBJ Hockey Analytics Conference is this weekend. Uh, you may remember Alice and Lucan talking about it on this very program, and you've probably seen it all over Twitter. You can find more on the Blue Jackets website. It is this weekend. Should be some pretty cool stuff. And I, I'm not going to be able to go, but I am looking forward to seeing kind of what spills out over social media and some takeaways from that. And I, I believe uh, some members of the Canon staff are going. I think PD is definitely trying to go. So looking forward to hearing what comes out of that. And also congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Apparently Missouri is the home of champions these days. And I'm very happy for Brandon Dubinsky. He could he he needs it. He needs a pick me up. He needs something yes. good this season. So I'm happy to see his favorite team win a title. Ryan, I'm glad you mentioned that about Dubinsky last night. Cause when he said that, I was like, oh, I gotta tweet that real fast. So I, I went ahead and did that too. But uh yeah, <laughs> that is good for Dubinsky. He got he needs a win. I guess real fast. Um so we didn't really get to it, but uh, obviously they play Florida tomorrow night. Bobrovsky might not play just because whatever he played over the weekend or I don't know. But anyway, the only thing that came to mind about that was I remember I was thinking, I, I said in our Slack channel, we want Bob. And it reminded me of Steve Mason in the Flyer game. And I know you've talked about it, Ryan, with the we want Mason. So I don't know. I'm just I kind of hope they did put Bob out there. But if he doesn't play, whatever. But uh, it just made me think about like, oh, you know, the crowd chanting, getting crazy, whatever. So hopefully uh, they'll have a nice, good game tomorrow night against Florida. I'm sure you guys are going to be real shocked about what my final thought is. But guys, the Dayton Flyers are really good. <laughs> <laughs> the Dayton Flyers moved up to number six in the country this week. It's the highest Dayton has ranked in the poll, in the AP poll since 1967-68 when it started the season at number six. This is the first Dayton team to climb to number six on the strength of its schedule and play since 1955 when the team was ranked seventh in the first poll of the year and climbed all the way to number two, the highest the Flyers have ever been ranked. Dayton has uh, Dayton beat Fordham last week and uh, Dayton heads uh, has a week off before they host uh, St. Louis on Saturday afternoon before the Colorado game Saturday night. So you guys can get a nice doubleheader. You can watch the bat, the best basketball team in the state of Ohio Saturday afternoon and then go watch the Jackets Saturday night. This Dayton team is really good. Um, Obi Toppin today was named one of the 20 finalists for the uh, Naismith Player of the Year Award. So if you haven't seen them yet, check out the Dayton Flyers this year. Depending on how this weekend goes, Eric Seeds' mood will be either... It could be anywhere on the spectrum, I think. I am... I am a little frightened to see what happens. It could be really good, or I could be despondent Monday morning. <laughs> if you see a season nationwide on Saturday, depending on how sports have gone, you may need to buy him a beer. You probably should do it anyway, but he may need it more depending on how it's gone. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that will just about do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's newest album is 4.30, and you can check her out on tour. She's playing in Marietta, Ohio on Valentine's Day, so that would be a lovely time to go out with your special someone and go see her at the Adelphia Music Hall. You can find out more at AngelaPurley.com. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, and as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJCanon, comment on JacketsCanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it, and we will see you next week.